Our church has the opportunity to provide this one-night seminar on Wednesday night, November 14th at 6.30 in room 105. If you or somebody you know will be facing a holiday after the death of a loved one, please let them know about this event. It is a free event and it's open to the public. Uh, we have flyers located on the tables at the entrance, door, entrance doors. Uh, if you would be interested in being involved by either providing refreshments, uh, a warm, friendly smile to greet those who come, uh, or by sharing the event on your Facebook page, please let me or Steve Corder know. Thank you, Debbie. Debbie would be happy to speak with you more after the service, so please come and, and find her. Um, and do be in prayer for families uh, within our church and families in our community um, who are going through a period of grieving and mourning over the holidays. And pray that, uh, that this event will, will help uh, encourage those folks as well. There's several other announcements in your church bulletin this morning. If you didn't pick one up on the way in and you're new here, this is what it looks like on the outside. Uh, so feel free after church is over with to grab one on your way out. You'll be able to uh, find out all kinds of announcements about events, uh, programs, different things that are going on in our church. A few things I do want to highlight in there from, uh, from this week uh, it, are these... Um, Thank you, first of all and foremost, for giving uh, to missions through the Dixie Jackson State Missions Offering. Our church's goal uh, was to collect $3,000 to send out to, to mission work throughout our state, and you guys exceeded that goal. And so thank you very much. Um, the, the preliminary uh, numbers are in from the state convention, but it looks like this year Arkansas Baptists have given more uh, through the Dixie Jackson Missions Offering than ever in history, and so we praise the Lord for that. Amen. And then uh, also tonight, right after the fellowship meal, we will be having an Operation Christmas Child shoebox packing party. Um, the collection bins have been outside the sanctuary doors, and there's also been uh, a box in the MAC uh, throughout the year from January on where you've been donating items to place in, in shoeboxes to send to children throughout the world. So tonight... Uh, come back for this fellowship meal at 5.30, right after the meal. We're going to be packing some of those boxes uh, together as a church family to send them out in the upcoming weeks. And also, you saw a video right before the grief share uh, explanation talking about Operation Christmas Child. If you would like to pack a shoebox uh, on your own, you can visit uh, the Samaritan's Purse website and find more information about Operation Christmas Child and, uh, and pack a shoebox, uh, maybe as an individual, or maybe you want to get with your own family and your own household and pack a shoebox and send that way. Uh, Stephanie has an announcement about a ladies' event coming up. She's going to come and share that, and then we'll continue with worship. Okay, our women's ministry has the opportunity to go to um, our associational holiday event for ladies. Um, it's called Don't Get Your Tinsel in a Tangle, and it will be at White Oak on Saturday, November 17th at 530. Um, Andrea Lennon from the um, Arkansas Baptist State Convention is going to be our speaker, and she's always awesome. Um, and then our very own Stephanie Anderson and Amy Privet are going to be doing a holiday craft um, demonstration throughout the night. We'll eat dinner, and um, we will have lots of door prizes from local vendors. It's going to be a really cool night to get to meet other ladies um, from the surrounding churches 
um, in our association. So we hope that you can all come, but the important thing is that I need you to sign up with me today. So I've got my paper down here. It's $10 to register and an extra $10 if you want a t-shirt. So if you don't have the money today, just get it to me, but make sure you come tell me if you want to go after the service today. Thanks. Can we stand as, and pray as we enter into a time of worship? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that uh, we get to meet with you as a community in this place. We pray that uh, our eyes are focused on you, that our weekly distractions are put to the side, that we can worship you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all our strength. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, you're the Jesus, 
Lamb of God, worthy is your In this time of desperation When all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe In this road in generation when all is dark you help us see there is only one salvation we believe we believe we believe in God the Father we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And he's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And he's coming back again. We believe. faith be more than anthems greater than the songs we sing and in our weakness and temptations we believe we believe we believe in Coming back again Let the lost be found And the dead be raised In the here and now the Love invade Let the church live loud Our God will say We believe We believe And the gates of hell Will not prevail For the power of God Is torn the veil Now we know your love Will never fail We believe we believe, we believe in God the Father.
Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and He's coming back. He's coming back again. He's coming back again. You can be seated. Come on, kids. I'm not going to do this by myself. How are y'all this morning? Good. All right. Well, this morning we're going to start off with a little skit. Okay? You like little skits? It's going to be a short little No. Well, sit there and listen to it anyway. You'll like it. Okay? We're going to do a little skit. And uh, ladies, are you ready? Whenever y'all are ready, you can go ahead and start. Look over here. Look at Kennedy. Mom, can you help me find my shoes? Why don't you look in your closet? Why don't you look behind your door? They're not there. Do you have any more ideas? Why don't you check underneath your chair? Hey, I found them. Thanks, Mom. You know everything. All right, good job, ladies. All right, so... Ooh. So what happened? Look here. I know. Loud noises, I know. Look here. In that short little skit, Kennedy lost something, right? What'd she lose? Her shoes. She couldn't find her shoes. So she was talking to who? Okay, did you see her mom here somewhere? No, her mom was in another room, right? So... She is in here. That's right, Isaiah. That's right. Um, I know. Yeah, your moms are here. Yeah. Um, but she was not here so she could talk to her face to face. Okay? She was in another room. So Kennedy knew that her mom was not in this room face to face with her, but she could communicate. She could talk to her. Okay? To find out something that she didn't know. Right? But did that stop Kennedy? For, from calling out and talking to her mom. No, that's right. You know, that reminds me of something else, okay? Hey, Branch, listen. Hey, you know, that reminds me of something else. God. We can talk to God, right? But we can't see him face to face, right? But does that stop us from talking to him and asking him something, you know, or talking or asking whatever, right? No, it doesn't. God, we can call on God anytime. Anywhere, any place, even through emergencies. And you know we have a number? There's a number that you can get in contact with God. Do you know the number? No. It's not 911, okay? No, it's not 911. But listen, here's the number. It's J-E-R-333. Say it. J-E-R-333. That stands for Jeremiah 333. 
Let's see what that says. Let's see what God says about calling on him. It says, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Okay? Call on me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. So listen, we can't see God, right? Face to face, we can't see him. But does that stop us from talking to him? No. God wants us to talk to him. Just because he's like in another room, hey, listen, just because he's in another room far away doesn't mean that we can't turn our attention and ask him anything that we need, okay? Um, God wants us to know that. He wants us to know that he's there for us in any time that we need. Just like the verse says, call on me and I will answer anytime, anywhere, okay? Just because you can't see him doesn't mean you can't talk to him. And listen, you know how you talk to him? You pray. You talk to him through scripture. You talk to him through other Christian friends. You talk to him through your church family, through everybody, okay? And listen, you know how we're going to talk to him now? Let's call on the Lord through prayer and talk to him, okay? Dear God, thank you for for talking to us. Thank you for being there, even though we can't see you face to face. And letting us know that you're always there for us, anytime, anywhere. All we got to do is call out and talk to you just like we're talking to a friend. Thank you for all that you do for us. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen.
Amen, amen. Can we stand yet again? Uh, let's go into the Lord in prayer as we continue in singing his praises. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son that he gave to earth and gave his life for us, that he died on that cross suffering um, in pain and in death, but defeating the grave nonetheless. We thank you um, that he was able to break that veil, tear it in two, so that we can have access to you, Lord. As we continue to worship, uh, we just pray and hope that, again, our eyes are focused on you, that our hearts are in the right place. For above all else, we want to give glory to you in everything we do. Amen. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all, to Thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise for the wonder of each hour of the day and of the night hill and vale and tree and flower sun and moon and stars of light Lord of all, to Thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. For Thyself, best gift divine, to our race so freely give. For that great, great love of thine, peace on earth and joy in heaven. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied, glory to his name. I am so wondrously saved from sin, Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took me in, glory to his name, glory. 
seated at this time. Ushers, can you come forward during this time of offering? Before we pray, let's say a word. Uh, Bryson, you did an excellent job talking to the kids this morning about prayer, talking to God. I, I want to say this. I've been guilty so often in my prayer life to throw up what I call a blank, blanket prayer. Thank you, God, for the blessings. Forgive us of our sins. Well, that's a, that's a blanket that covers all. The events of the past two weeks have made me realize that more often, much better. So I'm not going to labor the issue, but most of you know Blair was hit by a car as she crossed Highway 49. I believe God protected her. The car hit her, her head hit the windshield. From that, we don't know. I thank God caught her. 
the prayer that has come from this church family has been awesome. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, hallowed be thy name. Lord, you're the Lord of lords, King of kings, worthy of our praise. And I pray that our our songs and our message and our scriptures all today have been for the glory of your name and pleasing to your ears. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us, particularly when it comes to miracles. In my life, all of us have had those. Sometimes we don't realize it. but we know you're there. Father, now as we uh, give of our tithing offerings, I pray that each giver be blessed. I pray that each dollar be blessed. Lord, thank you for this, uh, the Arkansas Baptist stepping up and giving to the Dixie Jackson offering. That's awesome. We just praise your glory for that. Continue to bless this church as you have so richly. May the leaders of this church use the money wisely to spread your word throughout the kingdom. In Christ's name I pray, amen.
I don't know. Right there. There you go. All right, I'm going to start off this morning by asking you to do something very rude. My grandmother would be very disappointed in me, but I need you to get your pointer finger ready because I'm going to ask you to point at someone, all right? Maybe several someones. Yes, it is rude, but you can ask for forgiveness later, right? I want you to look around the auditorium this morning, and I want you to find someone, maybe a few someones, that have taught you something about the Christian life and the Christian faith. It might have been something from God's Word. It might have been something related to your family, prayer, anything. I want you to find somebody in this room right now. I want you to look around, see if you can point at somebody. And go ahead. You can point at several people, make eye contact with them, bust them right in the face. All right, there we go. Now we're having fun, aren't we? So here's my next question for you. What if we were able to suddenly take all of the fingers that were pointed throughout the congregation this morning and connect laser lines or even strings from one person to another? It looked like a pretty neat spider web all over the place, wouldn't it? And this is how it ought to be in God's family, in the church. We ought to be helping one another grow into mature saints in Christ Jesus. This was Paul's earnest desire for all of the believers that he helped come to faith in Christ. This was his admonition over and over again in the letters that he wrote to different churches that he would encourage the saints to build one another up for the work of the ministry. And this was his specific exhortation to his young protege in the faith. Paul had spent much of his time mentoring a young man named Timothy. In fact, he'd spent so much time talking to this young man that Paul knew if his ministry on this earth was going to amount to anything, that it was going to be passed on through people like Timothy, Titus, and others that he had shared the faith with and help build up throughout his time and ministry on this earth. I want you to turn with me this morning in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I've just got a couple verses to read to you and we'll study them together this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 2. I'm just going to simply talk to you about the subject, pass it on today. Paul wrote these words to Timothy. He's coming near to the time of of, of the end of his ministry on earth. Um, He is about to go to heaven to be with the Lord, but he still knew that it was important to share these last few words with Timothy. So he wrote to him, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
pass it on. This is what Paul is talking to Timothy about. He's talking to Timothy about the highest calling, the most wonderful privilege that will give him the greatest joy in life. That is, entrusting the same faith that was deposited within his own spirit onto the lives of others. And when you think about what Paul is commanding Timothy to do, he's simply telling Timothy to follow the example that he set. And Timothy would have had good reason to understand this example because he was the recipient of Paul's instruction and his teaching. He was the one that was able to see Paul's model of ministry firsthand. And you notice what Paul calls Timothy, don't you? Not my fellow servant, like he did so many other places to churches and believers that he wrote to. Not my co-labor in Christ. Not my friend that he would address fellow believers with many times. Not even my brother or because Timothy wasn't a girl, obviously, my sister. But what does he call Timothy? My son. You, therefore, my son. This is pretty neat to think about, isn't it? I mean, we know that Timothy was not Paul's biological son. But yet Paul calls him my son. Why? Because they had such a relationship when it came to the Christian faith that Paul had helped Timothy come to faith in Christ and help him grow up in his faith in Christ and help him answer a call to ministry as a young man in Christ so that he would mature into a faithful follower of Christ the rest of his life. Paul had passed on his faith to Timothy and to many others but now he tells Timothy to do the same thing. And if you read through the books of First and Second Timothy, you start to kind of put some pieces together about who Timothy was. And we all think of Paul as this guy who just comes in, kind of like a firework. Man, he makes a difference. He's willing to stand up for what's right. He's willing to preach the truth come what may. He's willing to confront errors in the church. He's willing to point out sin and he's willing to call people to repentance. He's willing to issue a challenge. He's not afraid. But when it comes to Timothy, Timothy's a little more quiet, shy. He's humble, he's meek, good qualities in the Christian faith. But there's many times that Paul doesn't just have to encourage Timothy with a pat on the back. You've got to kick him in the pants and get him going. In fact, as you read through these letters, you find more and more Paul telling Timothy, Son, it's time to get to work. And this is what he's doing here. He's not just giving him this, let me put my hand on your back, be strong in the faith, buddy. He's saying, Son, I know I've taught you. I know you know the truth. And you're going to have to live like a man. He says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there were times that Timothy felt that he was inadequate. He was a pastor of a church at Ephesus. You might have read through the book of Ephesians before. This is a letter that Paul wrote to that church. Timothy was a young pastor. Timothy felt at many times that he didn't have what it took to be the pastor God wanted him to be. 
In fact, there's times that Timothy was quite timid. His name meant something like son of honor in the Greek language. But many times Timothy felt like he kind of had to stand in the background, let everybody else do all the talking. But Paul knew that God had called Timothy not just to be a servant in the church, but a leader to the church. And so he tells him almost like God did with Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 of the Old Testament, be strong and courageous. In other words, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, it's time to act like the man in Christ that you are. You say, Jacob, I'm not a young man. I'm not a young pastor. What does that mean for me? I believe that with every Christian, there comes a point when we feel inadequate. And it doesn't matter if it's because we haven't been a Christian for a long time, or because we're young, or because we're new to the church, or because we don't feel like we know everything that the Bible teaches like so-and-so does, or because we can't pray the same way that all these great prayer warriors do, or because we don't give as much as this person. But the Lord has given us all the same Holy Spirit. In fact, earlier in Timothy, Paul reminded this young man to stir up the gift that was inside of him. Because Paul, as he wrote to Timothy, would encourage him over and over again, Son, you have the same Holy Spirit in you that lives in me. And just think about what that means for all of us. The same Holy Spirit who has empowered people like Billy Graham to preach the gospel to millions throughout the world is the same Holy Spirit who can empower you to share the gospel with your neighbor across the street. The same Holy Spirit that empowered the apostles to plant churches is the same Holy Spirit who is at work in the hearts of people in this church to help grow the kingdom and to advance the mission of Jesus Christ on earth. The same Holy Spirit who's with me in this pulpit as I deliver the word to you is the same Holy Spirit who's with you as you study the Word on your own, in your quiet time at home, and as you teach your Sunday school classes, and as you help children memorize Awana verses, it's the same Holy Spirit. So Paul tells Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In fact, the same Holy Spirit who indwelled in Paul was the same Holy Spirit who, who indwelt Timothy, and the same Jesus who saved Paul was the same Jesus who saved Timothy. So don't think that Paul's telling Timothy, you can do this in your own strength and power. Timothy knew better than that. Paul knew better than that. He doesn't just say, be strong. He says, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Because it's in Jesus, it's in His grace, that we find the greatest power in the world. In fact, the message of the gospel never changes, but the power of the gospel is always constant. It's consistent. The power of the gospel has the power to change the world. And that's why Paul told his son in the faith to be strong in this grace. And so when he comes to this specific point of instruction in verse 2, he's wanting Timothy to bear in mind who he is as both Paul's son in the faith and as a child of God in Christ Jesus. And then he gives him this command in verse 2. 
The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust. Entrust. This word, entrust, is defined in our English dictionary as this. To commit with confidence to someone else. To commit with confidence to someone else. So when we talk about passing this faith on, teaching others the same things others have taught us, we're talking about entrusting the faith to others. And this passing on, this entrusting, it needs to be clarified and defined, right? Because when we talk about passing something or passing something by or passing something on, we've got a lot of different ways we use this English word pass. Um, so it, it's not entrusting your faith to someone else so that you feel better about yourself, right? Uh, you can kind of think about it like this. You're driving down the road. Maybe you're coming back from, from Black Rock. You're trying to get back home to Walnut Ridge. And you know where the, the road goes into those two-lane passing lanes there? And you've been behind one of these chicken trucks for like five miles. And you're going, man, I cannot wait until this road splits. Why? So I can pass him. I can go right by him. Say, hey, hope your chickens are doing good and you can keep going down the road. This is not the kind of passing on or passing by that Paul's talking about with Timothy. He's not saying, son, when you entrust these things to faithful, to, to faithful people who are able to teach others also, don't just look at it like a drive-by deal. In other words, there needs to be a relationship. And he's also not talking about entrusting these things kind of like you don't really have anything to do with it, that it's all about the person that you're handing the faith down to. You kind of think about it like this, right? Um, maybe somebody's offered you tickets to a Razorback game. Actually, that might not be a good thing. Tickets to, uh, man, an Alabama game? You really going to bring that up, Richard? They, they won yesterday. Arkansas didn't lose yesterday, though, so that's a good thing, right? Or, or did they? All right, so here we go. So think about this. Somebody's got tickets to a game and they want to pass these on to you. If they give you the tickets, do they get to go to the game? No, because they've given you the tickets. You're the one who gets to experience the joy, not them. This isn't the kind of passing on or entrusting that Paul's talking about either. He's not just talking about handing these people something and then being done with them and done with it. The type of passing of the faith that Paul is talking about with Timothy is one that provides a mutual benefit both to the giver and to the receiver. Now this is pretty neat to think about, isn't it? Entrusting the faith to others. Entrust to commit with confidence in giving something to someone else. I did get to go to a game yesterday. It was out at uh, Williams Baptist University, their homecoming game. Pretty fun game to watch. Coach Austin's the man. Where, is, is he in here? Is he working security out in the halls today? Is he over there? Oh, there's, there's Rachel. He's out there. Man, you, you should see Coach Austin do a chest bump with his guys coming off the floor. It's the coolest thing in the world. And so when, when I'm thinking about the word entrust, here, here's what comes to mind. I'm thinking of Anthony getting the ball outside the three-point line putting it into butters down low and butters going up and stick it into the goal, right? What's going on in that exchange? One player is committing with confidence the ball to another. 
And here's what happens when that works. Both of those players get the credit and the team gets more points, right? This is the kind of passing on that Paul is talking about with Timothy. This is what the word entrusting entails. He says, the same things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these. You say, Jake, how do I pass on the faith to others? Think about who passed on the faith to you and share with them those same things. Look, I know, I get this way too. We feel like we've got to have all the answers when we talk to somebody, right? Because we go, man, what if they ask a question and I don't know the answer to it? I think it's healthy to have that kind of fear. Why? Because you want to get it right and you want to share the right thing. But listen, the people who shared the gospel with you didn't have all the answers either. You know what they did? They stepped out in faith and encouraged and trusted that the Lord was working in your heart and they entrusted to you the same thing that had been given to them. He says, entrust the same things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy knew what Paul was talking about. In fact, Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. You remember the Great Commission? If you don't by now, you either haven't been here enough or, or I haven't done a good job trying to get you to memorize this, right? Matthew 28, what did Jesus say? All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What did Jesus want his disciples to teach others? The same things he had taught them. This is entrusting. This is passing on. But what do we pass on? What explicitly is it that we, that we pass on? It's these things. This is the faith. Many times in the books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul refers to the gospel. The word gospel simply means good news. And when Paul's talking about good news, he's not talking about the score of the game. He's not talking about a discount at the store. He's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's simply this, that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and then on the third day He rose again according to the Scriptures. That is the good news. That's what Paul shared over and over again. This is the, the faith, the Christian faith, the gospel message that needs to be shared. Over in Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Paul said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he went on to say this, For in it, in that message, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. From faith to faith. We entrust the same things deposited in us to others. But I also want you to see who Paul gave this charge to Timothy concerning. Paul said, Timothy, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
Entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I want you to see something right from the get-go. Paul doesn't tell Timothy, hey, Timothy, share your faith with somebody, and if you get one person to believe in Jesus, then you're done. How do we know that? Because he says faithful men, right? This ought to be a continual process for every Christian. Hey, listen to me real quick. Just because you're 70 years old and you've been a Christian for most of your life doesn't mean God is done using you and doesn't mean you're done doing your work for the kingdom. Look, if, you, if your heart is beating, if your lungs are breathing, if your mind is functioning, you have the responsibility to continue to pass on your faith to others. Don't think that there's nothing you can do. You do the same thing you've always done. You pass on the faith and you continue to do it. He says, entrust these things to what kind of men or what kind of people? What's the one adjective he uses? Faithful. Does he say smart? No, thank the Lord, man. I'm in that boat too. Does he say rich? No. Does he say powerful? No. Does he say good looking? Thank the Lord. Yeah, right? What does he say? Faithful. Faithful. Now this is important. I want you to see this. The Lord doesn't save people just because He likes them better than somebody else. The Lord doesn't pick and choose folks out of the crowd, out of the school, out of the workplace, out of the community who are prominent so that He can use them to get His message across to others. In fact, over in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, guys, look, I know that there are not many among you who are noble or mighty or rich or powerful. But God called you. And if God's called you, it's because He loves you. And He loves every single one. That's who He's died for. But this is where Paul tells Timothy to entrust the gospel message. Not to the rich, not to the powerful, not to all these people who look good in the world's eyes, but to those who are faithful in heart to the Lord. Entrust these same things of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is why Paul used the word faithful. Because he didn't want the Christian faith to stop with Timothy or with the people that Timothy taught. He wanted the Christian faith to continue throughout the ages. For the message to go on spreading. For there to be multiple generations of Christians in the church who are continually passing on their faith to others. It's a joy. It's a joy. In fact, I think when Paul wrote these words to Timothy, as hard as he was on this young son of his in the faith, there was a smile across his face. Why? Because he knew what Timothy was capable of doing when he walked in step with the Holy Spirit and when he was strong in the grace that was in Christ Jesus. Timothy was able to go and make disciples who would then in turn reproduce disciples. In fact, another apostle named John wrote this in a letter to a different group of believers in 3 John verse 4. He said, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in truth. It's wonderful, isn't it? When you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Do you guys remember when you trusted in Jesus to save you? Man, you don't or you get really excited about it. Man, look, at six years old, 
I remember giving my life to Jesus and knowing for sure that I was going to heaven. Knowing for sure that I had been forgiven of my sins. And I'm telling you, I went to bed that night as a young boy with peace and excitement. Jesus was alive in my heart. He died for my sins and risen again, and I trusted in Him. You guys remember when you first experienced that salvation in Jesus? Now you do. You're remembering it now, aren't you? It's good. But let me tell you something that's even better. Say, Jake, how could anything be better? You ready? Think about this. You share your faith with someone else. A lost person who's in need of Jesus. Man, whether it's one of your children at home or one of your friends that you're going to school with and they give their lives to Jesus. They trust Him as Lord and Savior. This person that you've been working with for years finally says, man, we need to sit down and talk. You're a Christian. You've tried to invite me to church before and you've tried to talk to me about Jesus. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to be saved. There is more joy in that moment than there ever was when you first became a Christian. Why? Because you realize that Jesus has the power not just to transform your life, but every life in the world. And you don't just get to be a recipient of His grace, you get to be a channel of His grace to others. I tell you, it's awesome. It's awesome. In fact, uh, this, this happened this week. We were in here at the overtime party on a Friday night. Uh, Sean was preaching up a storm, man, it was good stuff too. And I got a phone call, and I, I had my phone in my pocket. I was standing at the back door, uh, making sure teenagers weren't just you know, going out in the road, um, trying to have, have a party outside without us, right? Because we wanted to join the party too. So I'm standing at the door, and somebody's coming in, and one person's going out, and I about fell over, and that's when I felt my phone ringing in my pocket. And just out of reaction, I pulled my phone out of my pocket, and I saw who it was calling me. Why is he calling me this, this time? It, it was somebody I've spent some time with. Help answer a call to ministry, help work through some stuff in their Christian life. But well, probably three people right now that I'd answer the phone for. My wife and, and a couple others like this. So I went ahead and answered the phone, went out in the little prayer closet, and guy picked up on the other line and said, Hey, Jake, I'm, I'm not bothering you, am I? So said, Well, we're up here at the overtime thing, but what's up, man? I said, oh, I didn't mean to bother you up there. I said, no, no, no. I answered it because I wanted to talk to you. So tell me what's going on. He said, well, man, I just shared the gospel with a guy that I've worked with for three or four years. He trusted in Jesus. What do I need to do? I said, whoo, this is good stuff, isn't it? And there was more joy in that moment, that one little phone call, than there ever was in my six-year-old heart when I first came to Jesus. Why? Not because my salvation is something that wasn't exciting. It's because I see the little bitty part that God lets me play in passing on the gospel message to others. Think about it just when it comes to things in life in general. You're a parent. You have your children, they, they grow up, and then your children become parents. And all of a sudden you become a what? Grandparent. Why? Because grand, right? You're a teacher. 
You teach years and years and you retire because you're tired, right? You've been teaching, you've spent, spent a lot of your life in the classroom. And years later, one of those students that was a teacher from one of your first couple classes comes up and says to you, Hey, Miss So-and-so, I'm a teacher now. Here's some of the students I teach. Here's some of the things that, that I've been able to do. Thank you for teaching me. Or you're a coach. And one of those guys that played on your team doesn't become a superstar in the NBA or win the World Series in baseball. But he becomes a coach. You see him years down the road. He says, hey, coach, you remember the same stuff you had to put up with us? I'm putting up with the same stuff right now. But coach, you remember the same things that you helped us through? I'm helping some of the same guys just like us through that same kind of stuff that we were going through. Think about what this is like in the Christian life. We have a Father in heaven who rejoices over people coming to faith in His Son. And as the kingdom continues to grow and one person comes to faith in Christ, the angels have a party in heaven and another person comes to faith in Christ, the angels have a party in heaven. In fact, I think, I would dare say, that with seven billion something people in the world at this point, and with Christians doing the work God has called them to do, in this time zone and in all the other ones around the world, there is probably not a point in heaven where the angels sit down going, what are we going to do? I have a feeling that as Christians are passing on their faith to others, that the angels are continually standing, flying around in heaven, applauding and singing the praises of the one who is redeeming people from every tribe and people and tongue and language and nation. Is this not amazing to you? It is to me. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy that he gets to be a part of. He gets to be a part of passing on the faith. And so here's my challenge for you. Here's where hopefully this rubber will meet the road for you as a member of First Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge, for you as a Christian who's here this morning. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you have the responsibility to share your faith with others and to help those who come to faith in Christ share their faith with others. So this is what this means. For every single one of you, there ought to be at least one person in your life that you are teaching, that you are mentoring in the faith, that you are pouring into, that you are investing in, that you are entrusting the same things that have been taught to you to them. To Jake, everybody, even me? Yes, everybody, even you. To Jake, man, I don't know. That's a, that's a big task. How in the world can we do that? Some of you are doing it, you don't even know it. We baptized like almost 20, what is it, 25, 30 teenagers this year. The times that you're spending with these students, helping them make wise decisions as they follow Jesus instead of foolish ones, those are times when you're mentoring, discipling people in the faith, entrusting to others the same things that have been given to you. You know, every time 
that the crazy pastor says, hey, we got to feed some more people. Can you help in the kitchen? Every time you start slaving away, getting up here early to prepare food, bringing dishes when you come in, setting food out on the tables, cleaning up messes on the tables, cleaning up the kitchen afterwards, having a smile on your face and loving people as you're distributing food, you are providing an example to people who are watching you across the mat. And they go, wow, look at the service. Look at the heart. Look at the attitude of that person. They're watching. You're being a model. You're providing an example. The Awana children that come through our doors on Wednesday nights, as you teach them verses, and you think, man, is anything ever getting through? But all of a the sudden, they spout off John chapter 3, verse 16. And in that little second grade voice, they say, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And you realize that that child who's just learned that verse has a whole family at home, brothers and sisters who are older, and parents who don't go to church anywhere, and you're sending them out as a missionary back to their household armed and equipped with the love of Jesus in their heart and the Word of God on their mouth, you're entrusting to others the same things that have been given to you. But some of you are not doing it. You're not. And I know it hurts. It hurts when you hear it. It hurts for me to say that. But it's kind of like when I went to the swings out at the park one day, Stewart Park in Walnut Ridge, and we go to swing, and one of the swings we couldn't sit on because one of the chains was broken. So on this side, the swing is still hanging from one of the chains, but on this other side, one of the links in the chains had busted, and the whole swing had dropped to the ground because one of the links in that chain didn't do its job. There are many of you who are in Christ, and you're going, man, what is my purpose in this church? What can I do? How can I serve? How can I do anything of value in God's kingdom? Find one person and invest in them. One person and invest in them. Say, Jacob, is that really going to do any good? Look, Jesus spent three years of public ministry investing his life into 12 guys. And from those 12 guys, the gospel message went out to the far corners of the earth and it's changed the world, has it not? So tell me that model of ministry doesn't work and I'll point you back to Jesus every time because it's the same thing He did. And it's the same thing you can do if you'll be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. As I close today, here's my challenge for you. Is there a person? Are there people? Maybe you've got one person in your life, but you need to find more. Is there a person or are there people in your life that you are spending time with in a mentoring relationship? That you are investing in them? Maybe you're teaching them about prayer. Maybe you're helping them be a faithful financial steward with what God's given them. Maybe you're helping them be a good spouse or a good parent. Maybe you're trying to help them read God's Word and understand His Word. Maybe you're trying to help them begin this new journey in the Christian faith because they've just gotten saved. 
Maybe you need to find somebody like that. As our musicians come and as we have this time of invitation, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you're sitting here with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray to the Lord. To say, God, would you be with me? God, I don't have anybody in my life that I've been mentoring, that I've been investing in, that I've been entrusting the faith to. God, would you put somebody in my path that I can share my faith with, that I can help build up in this body of believers? Maybe you're sitting here today and there are people that you've been investing and pouring into. Maybe you've reached the point where it's time for you to challenge those people to start investing in others. We just need to pray that God would give you the wisdom and encourage them to do so. Or maybe you're here this morning and you don't need to pray to God anymore about somebody to be put in your life. You know exactly who it is that you need to be spending time with. Maybe instead of sitting in your pew or coming to the altar, Maybe you need to go across the sanctuary or go up in the balcony or come down to the floor and say, Brother, God's put you on my heart. I want to help you grow in your faith. And listen, this isn't just the challenge for adult members in our congregation. If you're a teenager and you know Jesus, you ought to be investing in your friends. Maybe you need to go out in the hallway and make a phone call say, look, I know this is crazy, but it's Sunday. My preacher just shared with us about how we need to be investing in others' lives. I want to spend some time with you this week. I want to talk to you more about how to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. I share with you that you can right here and right now. That message is pure and simple and it's powerful. Jesus saves. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and rose again. And when you trust that He did, and when you call upon Him as Lord to save you, He will. I'll be standing down here at the front if you need to speak with me this morning. The altar's open if you need to pray. And there are people all around you if you need to go to somebody and pray with them. Maybe start a relationship and begin pouring in to others around you. As God calls you this morning, would you?